Let me start with a question. A question some of you may be asking yourselves right now. Why am I here? Why are you here today? Why? Because of the pastor. Yeah, you're you're in big trouble then. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, I mean, come on, it's the first of the year. I was up late with family and friends and now I gotta go to church? I mean, really? Why are you here? Maybe some of you were dragged here unwillingly. I won't ask for a show of hands for that one, so don't do it. I didn't want to come. You're you're right, man. You're speaking my language. I'm here because of so-and-so, and and I, I didn't want to be here at all. I could be home sleeping right now. Maybe some of you are here because you always come to church. It's a Sunday. And, and you come because it's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. You go to church on a Sunday. Maybe some are here because you're looking for answers. Maybe because it's the first of the year and turning over a new leaf. And, and, and maybe you're, you're thinking, I'm facing some things in my life right now and I'm just looking for something to give meaning, something to give answers. Maybe, frankly, you're looking for something to give you the right questions. To say, I don't even know where to start. What is it I'm supposed to be looking at? Maybe you're just not sure. Now let's expand that question, why are you here, to not just why are you here right now in this moment, but why do you exist? Why are you here on this earth? This is, I think, a fitting time to be asking those questions. There's something about a new year that we start thinking, what did I do last year that maybe I should continue or do more of? What did I do that I want to stop? What's this new year going to look like? It's a time that we start asking about our purpose in this world. What is our life going to look like? Now, kids, and you can do a show of hands, how many of you got some pretty good gifts for Christmas? Did you get something you really like? A couple of you, Okay. Grown-ups, I won't ask for a show of hands, but hopefully you got something you like. I want you to imagine Christmas morning. should be a little fresh in your memory. And, and you're waiting to open your gifts, and you're so excited. And, and kids, you know that time that, that you're sitting in your bed. I don't know how your house is, but we have a rule in our house. Our kids are not allowed to come downstairs until the, the, appropriate, the appropriate time. And the appropriate time is after we've had a, a, our first cup of coffee. That's our rule. They, I know. We're horrible parents. Our kids are not allowed to come downstairs until the coffee is poured in in our hand. So they sit at the top of the stairs and we, you know, take a very long time making that pot of coffee. And, and they're asking, do you have it yet? Do you have your coffee yet? Not yet. Not You can't come down yet. Not yet. So they're just waiting. It's so cute to see them up there. They're just all waiting. A couple hours later, we finally have our coffee. <laughs> it's an old coffee maker. I can't help it. And so, kids, imagine there's that time and you're, you're in bed or you're waiting or maybe you're not waiting. Maybe you're downstairs poking through all the presents. But there's this anticipation of... So imagine you come downstairs and you see presents under the tree and you know, you know, maybe they're not all for you. So the time comes. Whenever it is for your family, it's time to open presents. And kids, you go through the presents and you look for the ones that have your name on them. Or in our house, we just use different wrapping paper for different kids. Makes it easy. But you finally figure out, okay, those are my presents. Now kids, could you imagine grabbing all of the presents that are yours and making a pile to the side? Then stepping back and saying, 
What a great Christmas. That was wonderful. What's next? And walking away and not even bothering to open them. Would you do that? No. Why? Because the whole point was to open the present. Now, okay, let's take it a little farther. Let's say you open the present and, and you get to that packaging, right? This Christmas present packaging is one of the surest evidences of the fall of humanity that has ever existed, right? Because you can't get the things out of the packages. But could you imagine, kids, you open it up, and yes, I got that Barbie G.I. Joe. They don't have G.I. Joe, I think, anymore. But I got that thing I really wanted. There it is. And you set it to the side, and you don't bother to open it. Could you imagine that? Would you do that? Of course not. Because the thing that you were anticipating, the thing that you were so excited about was not just to find out which gifts were yours, not just to see what they are, but to open them up and play with them. Right? Are you with me so far? Let's take this another way. Maybe adults, something we can understand a little bit. I shared this with a group uh, at the theological book discussion a couple weeks ago. Well, sometime last year. So let's... <laughs> Imagine you wake up in the middle of the night and you're thirsty. And you say, okay, I need a drink. You know, 20 minutes later, you're still laying there going, okay, I have to do this. Got to get up, go get a drink. So you go into the kitchen, you open the cupboard, you get the cup, you set it on the counter and turn and you flick the light off and you go back to bed. Because you say, wow, that was pretty good for the middle of the night. I mean, I got up, I walked down here, I turned, I got the cup out of the cabinet, put it on the counter. That's a lot. I've accomplished a lot. This was great. I'm going back to bed now. Does that make any sense? No, because the point of getting up and getting the cup and turning on the light was to take a drink. Now, where am I going with this? We often get caught up in the steps to accomplish a mission. And we lose sight of the mission itself. We, we get caught up celebrating the steps to accomplish the mission, and we lose sight of the mission itself. And when you apply that to something like getting a drink of water, it's just utterly absurd. It's very obvious how silly it is to do that. You don't celebrate the turning on the light and the getting of the cup and maybe even putting the ice in it. If there was no water to drink, none of it mattered. Kids, if you celebrate seeing which presents are yours, maybe even opening them, but you never actually get to the point of playing with them, what was the point? But here's the thing. As we look at and we're asking this question, why are we here? I'm going to suggest that we all do this in our day-to-day life constantly. We look at priorities in our lives, things that we know are important, and we celebrate steps along the way, but we fail to understand what the overall mission is. So that's what I want to talk about tonight. The glory of God and the mission of of the gospel in this new year. Let me read you Isaiah chapter 48, 9 through 11 as we look at this mission of God's glory. What does it say, or what does it mean to say that God has a mission for His own glory? Isaiah 48, verses 9 through 11. You can turn there if you wish. We'll be jumping around a bit this morning. 
Isaiah 48, 9 through 11. And the context here is one of impending judgment. Things are not going well in their world. The the Israelites are very much on edge. There's a lot of big things going on in the other nations around them. They're not sure how things are going to happen. And God is telling them that He's about to do something they're not going to like. Things are going to get really, really rough. And He's telling them why. Starting in verse 9. For my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you, so as not to destroy you completely. See, I have refined you, though not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction for my own sake. For my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. What is the mission in this world? What is the reason we're here? What's the reason that everything exists? And as we start the new year, we might be thinking, I want to put things in this new year that fulfill me, that bring me happiness. And that's good. We might think, I want to put things in this new year that that serve others and help others. I want to be about serving people. And that's good. But what is the mission over all of it? That those things are steps to accomplish. And the Bible is very clear that the ultimate mission, the ultimate reason everything exists is the glory of God. Look at those verses again. Let me read them again. For my own, this is God speaking, for my own name's sake, I delay my wrath. Why is God holding back? Because he loves them? Well, yes. Because he wants to be merciful to them? Sure. Because he's giving them a chance, probably. But what's the ultimate reason he says? He says, for my sake. That's very selfish of God, isn't it? For God to do something for his own sake. But then he says, see, I've refined you, though not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. Verse 11, for my own sake. And in case we didn't or see it there, he says it again. For my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. God does everything for His own glory. And as we enter this new year, I'm going to suggest that we need to allow passages like this and the message of Scripture and the ultimate mission of the glory of God to obliterate within us all self-centeredness all thinking highly of ourselves, all the smaller focuses on ourself and our own happiness or even the happiness of those around us as being the ultimate thing. Now hear me, I'm not saying they're wrong or bad. They are not the ultimate mission. We've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. God's glory is God's mission. From Genesis to Revelation, God is declaring His greatness, His goodness, His sovereignty. And let me suggest, as we enter this new year, as Christians, as people, as as Americans, as people struggling, we want to feel good. We want to be encouraged. We want to be comforted. And that is good. There is so much of that in Scripture. 
But I'm going to suggest to you, the more we turn inward and say, what do I need? What do I want? What's going to help me? The more miserable we become. Our culture is a testimony to putting the individual first. Turn on the news. Go on the websites on the internet and look at the news. Look at how things are going in our culture. Look at how things are going in the world. People have more freedom in certain areas to do and get and be whoever, whatever they want. And they're miserable. Guys, it doesn't work. Because we've taken God's mission to bring glory to Himself and we've turned it to our mission to bring glory to ourselves and make ourselves happy. And the more we've done that, I suggest, and maybe you'll disagree with me, I suggest the more we make the mission to make ourselves happy, the less happy we are actually being. Why? Because God made the world. And he knows how it works. And when we put our mission in there and undermine the way he made this world, things don't go well. God's glory is his mission. But now that's a big out there statement. I mean, you might be thinking, man, pastor, I just want one or two resolutions I can kind of write down this morning. I mean, I don't even know where to go with that. Okay, glory of God, keep it the main thing. Got it, done, okay. What am I supposed to do at work? What am I supposed to do in my my marriage? How am I supposed to parent my kids? How do we actually do this? And that's where we get to the mission of the gospel. You see, when Jesus calls us, when Jesus called people throughout history, he called them first to follow him. He didn't say sit down and fill out a questionnaire as to whether you line up with me doctrinally. He didn't sit down and say, hey, do you want me to bless you in certain areas? He didn't sit down and say, how can I make you happy? He called people and he said, come on, wherever you are, whatever's going on, come with me. Follow me. Matthew 4.19, Jesus calls his first disciples, come follow me. Now, where was he going? And you could look at the passage and look at the immediate context, but I'm going to suggest a much larger context. The path that Jesus walked was the path of the gospel. The gospel is this word that we use in English, gospel. It's it's sort of a, a transliteration of this word from the Greek. This And basically, it just means good news. Evangelion. Great news. But we've sort of lost a bit of the greatness of that news because we've tried to twist it to fit our smaller missions. The gospel is the totality of what God is doing. And yet it's also so small that a child can understand it. In many ways, the gospel is simple. We, we know, so many people in our cultures, culture know the verse, John 3.16. Right in that verse is the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his one, one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. There's the gospel. God sent his Son to save you. And if you believe that, you are saved and have eternal life. It's so simple. A child can understand it and accept it. 
But in many ways, the gospel is also big. It is the mission of God in history to implement a plan to bring glory to himself. And when we walked away from that, to call us back to it and make that plan successful from beginning to end so that God never fails. It is the entire mission from Genesis to Revelation of God's work for his own glory. I was talking with somebody a few days ago about Sunday school. I think it was about Sunday school. And we were talking about how, you know, sometimes we want to move on from some of the basic teachings of Christianity. We want to go deep, and there's always this drive to go deep. And that's good. I love going deep. But what we talked about is when we're going deep, we're going deep in the very same things that we started in that were so basic that a child can understand. You don't learn the gospel as a Christian and then mature out of that and say, yeah, that's now for the kids, but I'm over here learning the deep stuff. Oh, the gospel is the deep stuff. And we keep coming back to it over and over and over again. From creation, talked about in Genesis, through the fall, through all of history, through all of Scripture, The gospel is communicated as the great news that God's mission will never, ever fail. So as we look for what should I do this year, I'm going to suggest to you, align yourself with the eternal mission of God. There's a guy by the name of Henry Blackaby. We did a study, some of the men did a study of his, oh man, probably four years ago now, I think, five years ago now. He has a phrase, find out what God is doing and join him in it. And I love that phrase. So, Some people struggle with that phrase because they think that just means make up whatever you think God is doing and then go for that. And yet there's a danger there. Absolutely. But when we come to Scripture and we answer the question, what is God doing? And then we follow that up with, I'm going to join him in that. Amazing things happen. So I just want to walk quickly through Scripture. I told my wife before I got up to preach, she said, do you feel ready? And I said, well, about an hour ago, I deleted my whole sermon and started over. And I did, actually. So in the next, like, two minutes, I'm going to give you that whole sermon, and then we'll move on. Because I like, at the beginning of the new year, to just do an overview of Scripture, because I I think we miss the big picture. But this year I thought that big picture is God's mission. So just listen. God creates us for his glory. Right? And then we walk away. And in that text, in that truth that we rebelled against God, there is this tension right there in history that maybe God's purpose has failed. And it's all for nothing. And I think we live in that tension each and every day. Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's all for nothing. Maybe none of this makes any sense. And then it brings us back to that question, why am I even here? Why bother with any of it? But see, the Bible doesn't stop there. Because it keeps going. And God calls out to this guy named Abraham. And through him, he starts this nation named Israel. And through them, he reveals himself as this all-holy, all-powerful, sovereign God. It's all over the Old Testament. 
The other thing that's all over the Old Testament is that these people that God reaches out to and calls into a relationship constantly mess up. That is not, please hear me, that is not a racist comment on the Jewish people. Frankly, that is a comment that as I look at the Old Testament, I say, thank goodness, because I see myself all over the pages of it. I see my failures dripping through the pages of the Old Testament. We struggle. We make resolutions that, frankly, two weeks later we're going to forget about. And we do that spiritually as well. But the Old Testament is a testimony to the fact that God never gave up on them. His mission never failed with them. He brings them into the promised land through great struggle. He's with them through the beginning of these kings and and this age of kings and then the civil war and things fall apart and there's this tension and God rescues them and it keeps going back and forth. But through it all, God's mission stays the same. Eventually they go off into exile. And then they come back. And the Old Testament ends on sort of a high yet low note. Yes, they're back in the land, but things aren't great. And they're probably wondering, why are we here? Is this it? Is this all that we have accepted God for? Is this all that we've trusted Him for? Where is this mission that God has? And then Christmas comes. And we talked about on Christmas Eve, Jesus, that name means He saves. God sent our Savior. And he tells Mary, also call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God takes on flesh to be with us and to save us. Why? Because God had a mission for his glory, for us to live in his presence. And he is absolutely consumed with knowing and making sure that mission will never fail. And that was just as true back then as it was in 2016, as it will be in 2017 and 18 and 19 and to 3,050 and 4 million and whatever. I don't know until Christ comes back. The mission will never fail. And then God calls us together as a church. And he says, now, through you, if you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to change the world. You're going to take this great news and you're going to reach out to other people and share the news about Jesus Christ with them. And I'm going to suggest, if you're making resolutions, put that on there. I'm going to share my faith with others. Because when you share your faith with others, you are joining in the eternal mission of God. That's a high calling. But it's hard. It's hard to be a church in this culture. It's hard to be followers of Christ in this culture. But we need to look back and hear the message of Scripture that in those times when it was hard for them too, God never failed. And He won't fail us when we are seeking to live for His mission. Because God's mission never fails And let me read for you again one of my favorite passages, Revelation chapter 21. Where is this all going? Where does it all end up? Revelation 21, 1 through 7, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first earth, and the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, or out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the one who is thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. This passage is a testimony, and and other passages before and after it, that all those things that are out of line with God's eternal mission are gone. They're removed. Because God's mission has never and will never fail. So if you want to keep the main thing, the main thing this year, find out what God is doing. Look into Scripture. His eternal plan in the Gospel Find out what that is. Go deep in that and join him in that. And watch the amazing things that God can and will do through you. So how do we live this mission? Because we do easily get sidetracked. We look at our job and we want to do a good job at whatever your job is. And that's good. We need to do that. As Christians, we should worship God through our job. We want to be good husbands, good wives, Good parents. Maybe you're looking to date somebody or or maybe you're looking at getting married and you're thinking, I want to go through this well. I, I want to do this well. We want to be a good church. We want to be good spiritual people. But how often do we look at those steps and something happens, good or bad, and we say, that's it. Look at what I've done. This was amazing. Look at how far I've come. This is great. We go back to bed. Or maybe we try and it totally fails. And we stop and we say, well, I guess that's as far as I can go. I I guess I can't open the present that was under the tree. I can't get that packaging open. Nobody can. That's impossible. And so we just give up. We get sidetracked on the steps to the mission. And we lose sight of the mission itself. God has never and will never lose sight of his mission. And I want to challenge you here on January 1st, 2017. Keep your eyes on the mission of the glory of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus describes what it looks like to walk this mission. In Matthew 16, 24, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. There's three components to that. Deny self, which is an admission our way is the wrong way and doesn't work. Take up our cross, which means to lay down our lives. Count ourselves as dead people. Our ambitions, our ideas, dead, buried, gone. It is to bear what the world considers shameful for something greater. It means not just adding Jesus to our life, 
but taking the totality of our life and completely surrendering it to Jesus. And then he says, following Christ. His mission becomes our mission. And I'm going to suggest a lot of people get stuck on those first two. Deny yourself and take up your cross. We get offended. How dare you say, Pastor, that my way is wrong? I'm not. Your way might be completely better than my way. Your ideas might be far superior than mine. You might know way more things about things than I do. You might. But I guarantee neither one of us knows anything more than God. And I guarantee your way and my way are pathetic when compared against the glory of God. It's not me saying it. Our culture gets so offended at Christians. It's not us. And we need to make sure it's not us, but that we're pointing them to God. But so often people get offended and walk away. And maybe some of you here, you say, I can't, I can't do that. I can't get over that. And I'm going to challenge you this year. Look into who God is. Look into His ways. Look into His glory. Look into the joy and the love and the hope and the grace and the mercy that is there through Jesus Christ and compare that to your way. And you come and you talk to me. And let's just talk about if your way really is better. I remember sitting with somebody one day and they told me about their plans and it involved a lot of things that people consider bad and hurtful and harmful and addictive. And they said, no, I know this and this is the way to go. And I turned to him, I said, you know what? You telling me about this is enough to show me how awful it is. Because all I have to do is look at how you're living and how miserable you are to know that the way you're going will never, ever, ever bring you happiness. But we keep running in those directions, don't we? So some stop there and they say, I can't take those first two things. I can't deny self. I can't take up my cross. But some, and and I'm going to suggest this probably applies to most of us, we skip those two things. We go right to following Jesus. We go right to the Christian ministry. We go right to getting involved in the small groups and the Bible studies and and getting busy for Christ. We go right to want to bring Him glory in our life and we forget to deny ourselves and take up our cross. The gospel means that we are a bunch of nobodies. Rebels. Guilty of sin, deserving to be punished. And whatever happens along the way of following Christ has zero to do with us and all to do with the power and glory of God. And when we skip that step of denying self and taking up the cross, we make following Jesus about us. And we do it all the time. And then what happens is people follow Christ and things aren't going well, and they say, well, I tried. Obviously, it's not working, because I'm not happy. My friends, there are times of profound sadness and loss and hurt, and some of you faced those in 2016. Some of you are going to face them in 2017. But I have seen people's lives bring glory to God in those times 
And in the bitterness and hardship of their tears, underneath it I have seen a joy and a hope that the world can never explain. Because in that moment they knew it wasn't about them. It was about God and His mission. What's your year going to look like? Now's a good time to think about your priorities. Are we so focused on the steps of the mission that we've lost sight of the mission itself? Are we getting up out of bed and getting the glass of water and just setting it on the counter and walking away? Are we opening the gift and going just far enough and then stopping? We say that's good enough. I'm going to challenge you this year. As with every year, seek the glory of God in all you do. Follow the mission of the gospel. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. Next week, we're going to look at some ways we're going to try to do this in the new year as a church. I want to lay out some ideas that God's been laying on my heart how we're going to make and become fully devoted followers of Christ through the renewing and transforming power of the gospel for the glory of God. It's right there in our mission statement. But today I want us to think about our own lives. And we're about to take communion, and to me that's what communion is. It's, it's a time to evaluate It's a time to say, am I keeping the main thing, the main thing, or if I substituted something lesser? Because when we take this bread, when we drink of this juice, when we take this together, we are declaring, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Me, my ambitions, my ideas, dead, buried, and gone. Deservedly so. I am who I am in Christ and in nothing else. Will you bow and pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I pray for this year. I pray your blessing on 2017 for the people gathered here. And by saying that, God, I I don't pray that you bless our plans. I pray that you bless your plans. And I pray that you give us an overwhelming commitment and passion to make your plans our plans. And I pray if there's anyone here struggling with that, that you would show yourself to them, that as they follow you, they would see the greatness of your glory, the greatness of your gospel at work in their life or the lives of people around them, that you would break down that hardness of heart and the excuses that we throw out so easily. And you would show them this world is much better off And they are much better off when it's not about them, but about you. And so we declare as we come to the Lord's table this morning, Father, we want to be about you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.